You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you are looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've tuned in to the correct podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking to Luke Carthy about faceted navigation because this month we are all about SEO. In today's episode, we're doing something a little special. Right now, well, if you're listening to this on The Dirt Goes Live, it is day two of our e-commerce master plan virtual summit. And the main interview part of this episode is what Luke and I spoke about yesterday at the summit. Confused? Hopefully not. Um, We recorded the insider tips and have that here for you to listen to as well as the podcast. So basically, we've kind of used the same uh, awesome piece of content for both the virtual summit and for the podcast. Now, if you want to get access to the summit, then you can do that to get access to the one I did yesterday with Luke, which is kind of this, um, and also all the other summit sessions by going to keepopt.com forward slash summit. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash summit. We're just about to meet up with Luke, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. Now, we couldn't do a day on e-commerce customer acquisition without tackling SEO. So, for this session, my guest is the brilliant Luke Carthy, SEO consultant, CRO expert, and new e-commerce startup founder, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about how to drive new customers by improving your faceted navigation. So let's get Luke up because he knows a lot more about this than I do. <laughs> Hello, Luke. How are you doing? I'm really good, Chloe. How are you? I'm all right. I'm um, I'm kind of I'm kind of like an amateur when it comes to things like faceted nav because I know there's a lot of power, but with a lot of power comes a lot of um, complexity. And I, I like the concept, but I've never really nailed it. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you to get all the audience beyond where I've ever got to with Faceted Nav. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky old beast, to be honest. But um, as long as you stick to a few ground rules, uh, then it doesn't spiral too far out of control. Oh, excellent. We like ground rules. But before we get into ground rules, let's actually let's set the ground, I suppose, um, which is faceted nav what i've heard different people call the same thing different things and use the same words for different things so in this session in this lovely little 30 minute bubble of um quality what does faceted navigation mean okay so the way i like to kind of visualize faceted navigation it's the filters you see on category pages, typically on e-commerce, but they, you can find them on all sorts of places, listing sites, right move, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, they're the filters that allow you to refine your results that you're looking at, whether it's brand, color, size, combination of all three. That's what we're talking about. We talk about facet navigation. But yeah, people call them facets, faceted nav, filters, 
attributes. They've got so many names. Um, so I've gone with the one that's most difficult to say because I'm an idiot. Fasted navigation. <laughs> <laughs> and spell. You know, just yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with a really tricky one. Okay, so it's all those those selections customers can make to play around with the product. So I said in the intro that this is to do with SEO, but is this really SEO or is this really CRO, as in conversion rate optimization for anyone wondering what CRO is? Yeah, do you know what? It very much is smack bang in the middle, which is why I'm absolutely all over it because um, it, it, it kind of, you know, straddles my both uh, areas of, of interest really. But um, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely got SEO potential in leaps and bounds, whether you're a startup, so brand new into the world of e-commerce, whole new site, whole new, you know, business, um, or whether you're an existing, you know, uh, growth-based startup or even been on the on the web for years. Fasted Nav has opportunities in SEO that are really, really powerful. Um, and from a CRO perspective, you know, anything that's going to make it easier for your customers to find the products that they're looking for and find ways, find products in ways that maybe your competitors don't allow them to do so is always going to be a plus. So yeah, there's there's definitely ways on on both sides you can win with Fasted Nav. And I suppose the the other place where you know, obviously, you you've experienced over your career over the last X number of years that getting the CRO right really helps with the SEO. And of course, Google's moving in that direction anyway now, isn't it? So any any job we can do that ticks both boxes is e-commerce gold, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, do it for your users, not for search engines. Um, well, that easier said than done, but yeah, that's that's the the golden rule there, I think. Lots okay. of rules today. What's going on? Not, yeah, lots of rules. We've got ground <laughs> rules that we haven't yet gone through. We've got rules we set the ground. Okay, so we are talking about improving or using the fasted. Are we talking about improving your fasted nav or are we talking about using it to achieve something that it's not obviously designed to do? I'll tell you what, maybe. I, I personally think it's about um, optimizing for search and then there's kind of grassroots of CRO in there. But depending on the use case and where you are as a business, you may completely find that it's 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 a completely different kettle of fish as a benefit. Mm-hmm. But I think to jump into it first and foremost, the biggest faux pas, the biggest mistake that people can make in the world of fasted nav is to allow search engines to contr- to access all of it. And when I say all of it, I'm talking about all the different permutations of faceted nav. So your sorting options, so best sellers, low to high, high to low, you know, in stock. All of your filter combinations like a brand and a color uh, and a size, all these kind of things. Because what it, what happens is for every category and every combination of filters and every sorting option you have, you know, if anyone's any good at maths, you can kind of see a lot of zeros starting to form here. So you only need a couple hundred products to be in a situation where you could be looking at in an excess of a million uh, additional URLs. And that is just all the bad news when it comes to, to SEO and duplicate content and, and lots of complicated issues we won't get into now. So this is the number one reason why faceted nav is often, I guess, left and ignored and because of the fear of getting it so wrong to the point where it can really hurt your, your SEO. Yeah, I've, I've worked with businesses in the past where our biggest SEO problem has been our faceted navigation. And the fact there's all these ridiculous pages that are just causing us all kinds kinds of horrible SEO issues. So I, I know a, lo- a lot of people just go, just don't let the search engines index any of it. But given we're talking about it as a way of getting new customers through SEO, I'm guessing just turning it, we have to do some kind of decision-making process on what we allow the search engines to see and what we don't? Yeah, exactly that. So I think 
first things first, if you're not confident, then block all of it. And when I say block all of it, I don't mean you've got some there at the moment, block search engines from it. I mean, if you're starting from scratch, brand new site, brand new domain, that kind of thing, block search engines from your faceted nav because it's much better to do that and then start to make improvements than kind of be blase and let you access everything and then try and fix that hot mess later. But yes, you're right in the sense of the, the, there are some rules that you need to set. And the first one is, God, with the rules, wow. Um, the, the first <laughs> yeah, one. I'm, I'm just wondering what's subconsciously gone on in your world in the last 24 hours. It's, it's all rules today. It's all rules. It really is. It really is. Um, I don't know where it's come from, to be honest, but we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. Um, the first one is to really understand where search demand is and what people are searching for when they're looking for your particular products. So perfect example, uh, I have a client in the world of cards and all that kind of good stuff, whether it's stationery or gifts and mugs and that kind of thing. So lots of people, and I think cards is a really, really good example because if we look at, say, birthday cards as a category, top level keyword, but then there's lots of different fragments off that, whether it's 60th, 21st, 3D cards, you know, recyclable, cards for him, cards for her, for mom, for dad, for sister, boyfriend, girlfriend. There's lots of different fragments there. And if you need to kind of first dis- uh, understand where that demand is based upon keyword search. Now, people may be thinking, right, hold on, this sounds gold. How do I get into keyword data? Where do I find this information? For me, there's two real good tools you can use. Um, one is, is SEMrush. And they have a tool called Keyword Magic. And you can just throw in your kind of parent category, if you like. So in this case, birthday cards. And it will kind of give you groupings and and clusters of keywords that you can jump into. And then you start to see patterns. So you could see a lot of age-related ones, in which case you know there's probably a good opportunity for you to allow the age uh, filter to be indexable. And the other tool is one by Systrix, which is a little less well-known. Systrix is a less popular tool, but equally as powerful. Um, and just the same kind of thing as, as SEMrush, where it clusters and groups your keyword um, and finds you lots of different long-tail and offshoot keywords opportunities. So that's really the first way to find where that demand is. How are we spelling Systrix? Uh, S-I-S-T-R-I-X. I had a C at the beginning, so I'm glad I oh. asked. <laughs> I put good, C's at the front good, of everything. It's got something to do with my name, I think. Um, if there's an opportunity to put a C in the front, there'll be a C in the front. Okay, so so you're saying we we need to go away and find these keyword opportunities. So I guess when we're doing that, we're hunting for an opportunity that Faceted Nav can help us solve. Would that be a good way of thinking about it? Yeah, ed- exactly that. It's kind of like a full cycle. So one is to find the demand and one is to find... Um, whether it's worth even allowing it to index in the first place. So one could be, so if you're starting from scratch with a brand new site, this can be a great way to understand what filters and facets you should build in the first place. For the um, conversion rate optimization side of things and the UX, not just for the, not for an SEO perspective. Exactly. Because you're building it for based upon what the users are looking for, not search at this point. But yes, so you kind of, I guess, doing that research allows you to tackle both search, demand, findability, but then also... Um, from an SEO perspective as well. So once you've got that nailed, and to be honest, that's a whole topic we could talk about, but we are short time. So we'll move on to then. So once you've defined what facet groups, so age, uh, gender, occasion, that sort of stuff you should allow to be indexed, then the next really important rule is understanding how many permutations 
this is the complicated bit, how many permutations of facets you should allow to be indexed at any one time. And I'm going to break this down, don't worry. So, yeah, my, my, I'm, I'm crunching it. I'm crunching it. So, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's just be clear but by what we mean by indexing. So we mentioned it a couple of times. I'm not sure we've fully joined the dot from what indexing is to what we're talking about. Yeah, so so indexes is kind of allowing search engines to explore that content, so crawl it, um, and then the search engine can then make a decision as to whether it wants to to, to basically index have that URL in its particular index. So um, we can't decide as a as you know as, as webmasters, if you like, whether Google or Bing or whichever search engine you're using will index it or not, but we can control whether we allow it to be indexed in any regard whatsoever. Um, so is it visible in search engines in, in simple terms? We can stop them from going there, but we can't make them go there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. That was um, a very good explanation of indexing. Um, so break it down, that very complicated calculation we need to do. Okay. So what the... the the magic, yeah, this is going to be difficult for me to explain. I feel like I'm going to have to like get a drawing board out <laughs> and a chalkboard and like lasers and everything, right? Um, so, this is how many combinations of filters you allow um, accessible by search engines at once. So, to give you an example, rather than kind of walk through a thesis, it's kind of like if you have twenty first as a selected option in a filter, and on top of that, you would also have, let's say, um, for her. Uh, and then on top of that, you might have A5 as a, as a card size. Now, that, of course, is a permutation of three. There's a very, very slim chance that someone's going to be searching online for that specific type of card. And if they are, they're so small in numbers that it's just not worth allowing that to be, to be crawled by search engines. As a golden rule, uh, another one, Right? Should we just call this the, the rules of fasting? We should just call we it yeah, the rules, the rules of, of fasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way that the, the typical rule of thumb here is no more than two combined. So you might have occasion could be anniversary, and uh, it could be for him or for granddad or for brother or something like that. So that way, when someone's searching for grandparents' anniversary or brother's twenty-first birthday there's enough granularity there for you to target those keywords with some really cool products, but not too detailed where um, you'll just kind of bloat in search engines with lots of different URLs to crawl. And it also, it's not not deep enough where it's too shallow. So you're only searching for anniversary rather than grandparents' anniversary or wedding anniversary or something like that. Got it. So, so we're using our keyword research to work out what facets we need probably for customer, um, sorry, for CRO purposes, but definitely what we're going to allow out into the search engines index. And then rather than allowing it to become, as we were talking about earlier, the bloated, hideous site with all the pages and duplicated content, we're probably going to limit it to maximum of two facets at any one time to go into the index. And is that logically in my head, that makes an awful lot of sense. Seems quite easy to do. Is it easy to do on a website? Um, if if it depends how good how good your relationship is with your developers, because it takes a heck of a lot of specification, and it depends on the system you're working with, right? So, mm -hmm. it's a completely different kettle of fish if you're working with uh, fasted navigation that powers from AJAX versus JavaScript. But it depends on the, the technology that you're looking at. 
Um, but yes, it is often possible, but of course there's always edge cases. There is something else that I wanted to throw out there as well as a bit of a kind of like disclaimer, which is although I've said two is a good area, there sometimes can be occasions where uh, one might be might be detailed enough, depending on what it is you sell and how big or small your, your website is and how many products you have. And sometimes maybe three can can be what you need. Um, I think the 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 I'm trying my hardest not to say something with the word rule in there now, but I'm just trying to say the rule of thumb, right, is <laughs> the more complicated your product set, the more facets you might want in combination. So if you're, uh, let's say, someone like RS Components, which is super, super technical, lots of different specification, you're probably going to want more facets available to index than something like birthday cards, which is typically quite simple in the grand scheme of things. Well, yeah, I'm thinking um, that if we've got someone watching who maybe sells um, handkerchiefs, and they yeah. only sell one size of handkerchief, then to be honest, they're probably only going to go for one facet level because it might be spots or checks, or it might just literally be the pattern, might be their only extra level. Um, yeah, they're a very good point. And I think this is where SEO and CRO uh, start to divide because although I've very clearly said that you only want to allow two permutations of facets to be indexed, you can have as many as you want from a user perspective. So you don't want to stop users from selecting eight, nine, ten different options, depending on how, you know, how granular and, and what it is they're looking for. So if they go into cards, there's nothing wrong with them selecting funny, 21st, for him, A4. There's nothing wrong with that. And you want users to be able to use all the combinations of filters they want. But that's where the difference is between helping users and aligning search engines. So that's where things start to converge a little bit. And the, the real important bit of what we want to end up on the search engine, to end up in the index, is that it's a term which is likely to have a volume of people actually searching for it. Exactly, yeah. Because otherwise it's pointless to be there. That's right. You're just wasting crawl quota. And I say it in quotes because crawl quota is this mythical unicorn creature of a metric that a lot of people believe doesn't exist. But in my opinion... Whether you believe it exists or not as a metric, by making your site more efficient to crawl cannot be a bad thing. So don't abuse it. Yes, exactly. It's it's kind of it logically has to make sense that the fewer pages you've got, then the easier it is for the search engines to understand you. But I may I may be using my amateur wording, opening up a whole world of of pain. So let's just um when we're talking about removing a page from this or stopping the search engines indexing a page. Mm-hmm. What's the mechanism for doing that? In a, <laughs> How much time a, do we have, Chloe? <laughs> well, we've, we've got about another four minutes. Um, okay. But I, I guess, let, let me rephrase it. Is it that we submit a list of URLs to the search engine? Is it that we put something visible on that page? Is it that we pray? Um, <laughs> you know, for, for those out, out there who, you know, who are new to this or who, you know, recently become responsible for SEO and are going, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> what What's our, our basic mechanism for doing this? Because I am aware this could be a whole podcast series. I know. So. <laughs> I'm trying not to, anyone who's falling asleep, I apologise, but you just got a few more minutes yeah. of technical nonsense. It's my fault. Um. If you're falling asleep, it's not Luke's fault. It's my fault for asking the question. All right. So, the oh, God, I've just got rule of thumb coming into my fault. Okay, right. <laughs> the thing is, right, I'm just going to say thing when I can't think of things. Um, we want to canonicalise uh, as, as best as we can. So, I guess... Let me talk through the do nots, like the absolute 
just whatever you decide to do, make sure you don't do this. One is 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 add those facets or parameters. And when I say parameters, I mean URL parameters, question mark equals yada yada, into robots.txt. Don't do that. Don't do that. If these URLs already exist and have already had access, or search engines have already had access to these, because all you do is create a black hole of equity that can't move. So it's the absolute worst thing to do. Don't do that. You might wish to consider, uh, sorry, consider adding no follow, no index, which is like a hard directive to search engines that you cannot crawl this. Um, that can help. That's a tag that sits on the page, like our meta description, our title tag sits on the page, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. sits in the head. Okay. Um, the downside of doing that is if anyone's linked to that page, which is possible, so if, you've, you know, if someone's linked to 21st uh, birthday cards with a faceted option from a really authoritative place, like Mumsnet or, I don't know, God knows where else, but if you do no follow new index, that those backlinks won't contribute, they won't count, they're, again, locked away. Because, yeah, of course, link builders damn them they do often link yeah. to the page we don't want them to link to and you're not going to get them yes. to link to your 21st birthday card category if they decided to link to the faceted so yeah so so that was the the uh oh what was that one <laughs> sorry that was no follow no index that's no what you follow, should no do index. So that's, a, that's yeah. dangerous i didn't know that was dangerous interesting yeah because it creates a trap of equity uh, which you can't move around so the often best compromise it has its pros and cons is a canonical um, and the beauty of a canonical is that any links that are passed to this page you don't want indexed you canonicalize it to somewhere else which is normally the the, the it might be a category above it so if you have a url for again which has three permutations in and you've mm-hmm. said that you only want to allow two to be indexed then you canonicalize it to the same url with the last one lobbed off the end so it goes from canonicalizing from the three permutations to two and then what happens is any equity that's got sent to the third one will be rolled up into the second one um so that's kind of like a little hint to the search engine to say look you found our page for 21st birthday for her that's funny and really you want to be looking at this page that's 21st birthday for her yes so it's kind of a it's a suggestion rather than a hard and fast hence it doesn't have the downsides Exactly. And there was something that you just mentioned, which I'd love to squeeze in, which is you mentioned mm-hmm. that the um, people not linking to the 21st birthday category and instead linking to the 21st birthday facet or filter, whatever you decide to call it. There's a very distinct rule, uh, <laughs> within the character for rule. Um, there's a very distinct differentiation that your categories and your facets should have. And that should be that there should be no overlap between your categories and your facets. So if you have um, if you have categories for all the major birthday milestones, which is, to be honest, quite rare, you shouldn't really do that. But if that's just what you've inherited, let's be honest, the world isn't perfect, then don't then go and create a facet which cannibalizes and kind of competes directly with that category. So your facets should be entirely complementary to your categories. They shouldn't be attacking the same keywords. You know, to, to kind of use a really good example, card category, birthday cards as a category, for him, for her as a category, and then age, colour, and any kind of anything that's really quite granular mm-hmm. should be a filter or a facet, but they shouldn't exist as both because that just causes a whole heap of problem that <laughs> we haven't got the time to talk about. 
Everyone, everyone who's watching this in the summit can see Luke's pain at the mere thought of people creating both categories that mirror their their faceted navigation. <laughs> He's clearly felt this pain many times. And and um, for those of you who are watching this uh, live in the summit, we are also going to be putting this out as a podcast episode. And I think I'm going to challenge the podcast listeners <laughs> to count how many times we use the word rule <laughs> as, they, as they listen. Because it's, um, it's been busy. Well, Luke, that has been... Um, a masterclass, quite frankly, in faceted navigation. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalized website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. So welcome back to the podcast proper. You've just heard my interview with Luke Carthy for our e-commerce master plan virtual summit 2021. It's available for you to access for free at keepopt.com forward slash summit. Sorry, can't read my own writing. That is K-E-E-P-O-P-T dot com forward slash summit. After recording that uh, summit session, Luke stuck around to record the rest of the podcast with me. So, Luke, are you ready to do the podcast insider tips bit? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Luke, so far we've gone deep into faceted navigation. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So, for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which does, of course, include faceted navigation. So, Luke, you ready for these? I'm ready. Let's have them. Let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with SEO, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Uh, um, Technical. I would always say technical SEO is where you should get started, but don't let the name put you off because I know the word technical sounds, well, you know, technical. Um, But it doesn't have to be. Like, I think just download uh, a copy of Screaming Frog. It's free crawl a site, grab 500 URLs and just take a look, start to understand the basics of HTML um, and just how crawlers kind of work and move around a site can be really helpful. Outside of that, I think understanding where links happen on the website, inside all links happen on the website can have so much influence to organic rankings across the entire website. So whether you're talking about a small e-commerce store, um, a five-page static site or a multi-billion page listing place like car gurus in the states for example internal linking is equally as important for everything um so really understanding and getting into that is is one f- a sure way to make sure that you will be one step ahead in the world of seo and the ice cream man's just come past <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Need anyone thing or two about seo anyone who's listening listening on the podcast there isn't an ice cream van near you there's an ice cream van near Luke. I'm not going to let him go and buy an ice cream and we're going to finish off these questions. Okay. <laughs> Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve SEO performance? Okay. Now I can't concentrate because I'm thinking about a, an ice cream. Um, okay. So the best thing to do to keep improving is to look at optimizing 
your I've just used the word the, in the in the question. All right, is to is to constantly find ways to make crawling more efficient for search engines. So getting rid of bloat URLs, which does of course cover faceted nav. Um, look at ways to to develop thin content. So if you've got you know lots of products with no descriptions or really kind of rushed put together blog post just to get something ready for launch and it's not doing very well. Um, but yeah, just identifying ways that Google and other search engines are looking at your site and then going, nah, I'm not really that bothered and finding opportunities to make it better. So one of the best tools in that to identify these, of course, is, is Google Search Console. It's completely free. If you don't have this for any sites you manage or own, why? Like seriously, if you've listened to an SEO podcast, you should just have that. It's really easy to go and get. But then take a look at the excluded section in the coverage report because that will tell you everything you need to know about what Google has crawled and then decided to throw in the bin because it's not interested in. And then you can start to identify what to do with those URLs. Do you make them better? Do you scrap them? Or is it something in between? Nice. Okay. Um, if someone listening wants to learn more about SEO, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? Yes. So uh, the SEMrush blog is really good. Absolutely loaded with information. Oh, I'm going to kick myself. But Alayda Salis has got a great resource. I forget the, the the actual domain name now, but if you if you type in Alayda Salis and learning SEO, she has an absolutely fantastic, she's put so much time into this, um, dedicated resource teaching you all the basics of, of technical SEO and how to get started. So that's great. Uh, I might have mentioned the Ahrefs blog already. Mars uh, has, has, has got a really good stack of content as well, which you can go and take a look into. Whether you're interested in content, PR, link building, technical, whatever it is, is, is your flavor of interest in the world of SEO, then those resources are always gold to get, get stuck into. Nice. And we will find the links to all of those and add them in the show notes for everyone. Okay. Finally. It's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Um, just Google being more of a pain in the ass. I think it's just, <laughs> it's the only way I can, because every time, every time this happens, like they just move in ways that makes it more difficult for SEOs to do what they need to do. Um, so to give an example, I think they're testing, and I say testing, the big picture salt because they switched something on for a very small amount of time in the US or Canada, uh, which was car listings. So there, it looks like they're about to start robbing lots of traffic from uh, the likes of Auto Trader and Gumtree Motors, eBay Motors, um, by offering their own, you know, just like when you look for hotels or flights and you get that mm-hmm. big uh, featured snippet of, of content from Google. Just more of that, to be honest, is what you can probably expect. More Google and less of the links, uh, and less of the organic links. But as always, the rule is, is oh, God, I did it again. All right. The rule <laughs> is, <laughs> is just just optimize for your users and not for search engines, and you normally will be okay. Like, just build an experience that is better than everybody else's because it's better for your customers. Very much easier said than done, but if you stay on that trajectory, that basically didn't answer the question. My prediction is, yeah, Google just been more pain in the arse. I think that answered the question. Especially because, I, and I always like it when uh, you know people say optimize for the user, not for the uh, not for the search engine, because that is at the root of all successful SEO. But Luke, we are very nearly at the end of the show, so could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yeah, so uh, you can find me uh, LukeCarthy.com, 
you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Luke Carthy. If you look for a guy called Luke Carthy, it's probably not me. It's definitely not me. Why am I saying probably? Like I've got another identity. <laughs> um, Google me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about it. There's not too many Luke Carthys in the world. So um, yeah, I've got that going for me, which is great. But if you want to find me, you will find me online somewhere. Excellent. Well, Luke, thank you very much for doing both the summit and the podcast. Um, you've you've given us all a lot of great information and loads of great resources too. So, uh, so thanks for being on the show. No, it's fun as always, Claire. Thanks again for having me. Well, I hope you liked our little mashed up episode today where we've taken that part from the uh, the virtual summit and then added on the extra insider tips for you. And I think you'll agree that Luke did a fantastic job of explaining how you can approach your faceted navigation to give both the maximum conversion rate optimization bonuses as well as have it have a very positive impact on your SEO and limit the negative impact that it's possible to have when you treat uh, your faceted nav badly. Now, you get links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. And Luke is also one of the members of my e-commerce master plan crew, which is a brilliant band of e-commerce marketing practitioners who can help you take your marketing up a notch. Find out how you can connect with Luke and the rest of them at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash crew. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out the rest of our SEO episodes because they're all there to help you improve your SEO and get that traffic from Google. And please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because we create it to help as many of you as possible. So the more people you can tell, the more people we can help improve the performance of their marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.